Welcome to the Diversity on the Hill podcast with Pastor Jonathan and Pastor Curcio. Here are the ground rules for our conversation. Respect one another. Openness. No assumptions allowed. Mistakes are welcome. And let's grow together. Enjoy the conversation. And we are back for another episode. Whoa. Yeah. I like the way you kind of tied that right there. Right. Knit it together from last is, week. Yeah, because last week we told you would be a continuation. This week would be a continuation. Yes. To what will most likely be at least a three-parter. Who knows? We might go four. You it's never know. It's a continuation you of PA know. also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what you just heard is PA. That's right. What you are hearing currently is PJ. And PK back again. Back in the house. Well, I say back again like like I'm a guest right. normally, but yeah. I'm not. No. You're not a guest. You're, <laughs> <We're back. laughs> Your smooth, dulcetone tones are back in their ears for another week. Oh, well, you see that. You see that. So so I want to share something real quick. Okay. Because this has been ongoing. So this is going to be, you know, like a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tiger Woods crashed. Did you hear about that? Yeah, oh, I did yeah. hear about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How um, did we not talk about it then? So, so I, it, we got I, carried away we with got PA carried everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's all right. Yeah, that's my bad. <laughs> we had we had to introduce our person. Like we don't know Tiger, but anyhow, and I want to focus. I'm I'm glad he survived. You know all that. He got surgery. He's recuperating now. What have you? He crashed a Genesis GV80. So. I- Andrew, do you have any idea what he's talking about? Because right now, I, he I t- actually usually kind of know cars, but I don't know that one. I okay, don't know cars at a- all. So what he just said is a different language to me. <laughs> so a Genesis GV80 is the 2021 SUV that Genesis just launched. Mm. Mm. And if I had the money, that would be the one I would buy. Is this good okay. PR or bad PR for Genesis? This is, I, well, I would assume it's it's good PR because he survived that. I mean, That's like true. The, the car flipped. Yeah, I saw but a picture. But the car like, flipped, and cars flipping are never yes, a good thing. But it flipped him going through curves mm-hmm. that officers say they have ticketed people going 80 in a 40. Whoa. So it's a 40. It's a 40. What What was he going at? That's, they don't know. That's what we need mm. to know. So that's what I'm saying. Like, like if you were speeding down this thing yeah. and you flipped, but I think the, the story was that he hit a tree and that ricocheted, you know, he bounced off mm. of it. And, and that's, what caused, oh, that's what caused him to flip. So, so I don't know. It seems like good PR because his upper body had no issues. He, mm. It was his his legs yeah. where all the trouble was. So, I don't know. But all I'm saying is, I was like, that's, that's, I'm glad he's okay. Have you mentioned that car here before? Or was that when we were out to eat? No, we were out to eat. Yeah. And uh, and I so if you don't know, Curcio's a big car guy, and I I know nothing about cars. I have. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, now I let drive me, one and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me let me let me make sure that I I frame this whole idea of car guy. Mm. I'm not the guy who's talking about you know uh, the the mechanics of the car. I'm not the right. guy who's talking about I feel that the pistons and the this camshaft and that other stuff. Like that's not me. Mm-hmm. I I this is. I'm very superficial when it comes to the cars. But you're you're stereotypical, the beautiful car, you know, right, you yes. like the sports cars, the right, the, yeah. the high end cars. Yeah. Here's where he, yeah, go ahead. No, no, I just I, I like the I like the uh when you said it was S U V, I understood now why I didn't know what car it was because mm-hmm. I'm more into like 
that car looks nice, you know, like, <laughs> or like nice. the sports cars. Like yeah. I, I'm very invested in, in that. He just said your SUV doesn't look nice. That's what I just heard. Ooh, I'm gonna pull up a picture and I'll okay, show. Okay, pull up a I'll picture and show me because I might change my mind. Dude. But like I'm also I don't understand like some of these car companies like Porsche and like Lamborghini making SUVs, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, well, they got to cater to to a wider audience i but, mean and who's gonna and buy a lamborghini he means, suv he means a big be surprised wi- he means really? a big wide american who like big things well well look at this <laughs> well, well, look at this look at this for instance for instance i'm in that place in my life uh-huh. where my next car is going to be a big car like i mean i okay. drive the van I, right now yeah, and I and I, I love it yeah and then i was like you know what my next car is going to be an suv okay and um i was looking or i've been in 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 i'm not in the market because right now i you know got to pay my cars off yeah yeah, yeah. but the idea is um <laughs> i'm a dreamer right and i uh-huh. look at the and i was like if i were to choose a big car mm-hmm. i'm not gonna get a pickup truck i'm not that guy i'm still a city slicker even though i live in tennessee people mm-hmm. are like mm-hmm. oh dude you need to get a truck a lot of my friends are like get a truck get a truck mm-hmm. i'm like i just i just i don't know it's, the city slicker is still in me and i look at it and i'm like yes i like that suv mm-hmm. and they're very nice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm not stereotypical in the way that I don't like cars, but I also I love my minivan. Really, I love it. And and here's the thing: when I was in college, I was like, I'll never get a minivan. That's dumb. Right? I hated the way they looked uh-huh. till I drove one from I was on furlough from Thailand when I was a missionary. We we were we rented one or borrowed one, and I loved it on the road trip. And okay. now my wife is the one who's like, I want our next car to be an SUV, and I'm like, Nope, it's a minivan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, get this. The um, we did the same thing. We bought in an SUV when we were when we first had our first child, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, I kicked myself because I should have got a van. But at mm. that time, we were like, we're not going to be the soccer parents. But they're so you know nice. kind of thing. But they are. They are. They are. So I so really, okay. So I'm looking at this Genesis. You're not that impressed. I can I'm, tell not from an, his face. I'm not that impressed. It's oh, an SUV. Okay. It just looks so, like a okay, but see, here's the thing. It's a high-end SUV. It's no, a high-end SUV. So, so get this, get this. The people who designed the Bentley, we got him going. The <laughs> Bentley SUV. Okay. Oh. Okay. Designed this one too. Whoa. Okay. So, so, so it was the all person. of a sudden. I don't care at all. <laughs> oh wait, okay, no. I mean, all but, of a sudden, I do care. Oh wait, which one? Okay, but hear me out with these like portion. Like, go ahead. Like, go ahead. Usually, like. Rich people mm-hmm. are buying Lamborghinis, right? Mm-hmm. It's not your average person that do rich people need a large vehicle such as a Lamborghini that costs two hundred and eighteen thousand dollars. But look at that car! I mean, come on! But why? But it looks like an SUV. It looks like, like an SUV. Oh, you guys it doesn't coming. look like unique as like a regular Lamborghini go- does. You know, when you see a Lamborghini, it doesn't look like the Toyota Corolla. Yeah, it but looks you're still like- speaking a different language because I would rather have a Toyota Corolla than a Lamborghini. Oh, see? What I can't stand Lamborghinis are ugly to me. What? Yes. Oh, okay. See word. now, now you're now you're uh, now I'm insulting you're hurting, you. You're hurting okay, my heart a little okay. bit. We now. just got to take the conversation somewhere else. Okay, you guys, yeah. well, just hey, we gotta- <laughs> but this all started with Tiger Woods. It did. It, it did. did. Which it is did. interesting because Tiger Woods has had a history similar to some of the gentlemen we talked about last week. He has Very a history. Good. I like true. what you did there. Of good transition unfaithfulness and some mistresses and some mm. yes what some a professional very shaky ground you go yes. with Jay. morality when it comes to that yes. so that's going to transition us to this week because this week we are this is the second episode and we're going to get a little bit more into some of the issues that uh stereotypically men tend to have 
And we will get into that in just a few minutes. So we are going to take a little break here after we plug. Hey, if you want to talk to us. Diversity on the Hill at gmail.com. Diversity with the C for the first time listener. And on Instagram, where would where would they find us, PA? At Diversity on the Hill. Same Very place. nice. Yeah, yeah. Hey, we want to see. We we want to keep a close eye too on on people's uh, responses to the creepiness to the creepiness to the of creepiness. Rudy. Right. So just we will address that in a future episode, yes. like how creepy he was. Holler at us there. Maybe in the next one. All right, we'll be right back. So usually hills can be really fun, you know, Mm -hmm. like Uh rolling hills. Okay. I have a feeling that this hill's really steep though. It could be really treacherous. So let's, let's be careful. Let's put on our helmets. Yes. And let's dive in to the hill on this subject. There we go. So the first thing I want to talk about was Ravi Zacharias. I just want to address this super quick about the accountability issue. Okay. The lack thereof, you mean? Yeah. The lack thereof, Uh especially... I feel like within the Christian church, we lack proper, healthy, loving accountability. I can get behind that. Yeah. Agreed. And here's why I say that. Here's a story that I that I shared with me with a friend that I was having lunch with a few weeks back. We're having lunch and we're talking about it. And he talked about he had had an experience as an elder of a church. Mm-hmm. He was a, a younger elder, right? And he didn't feel equipped, you know, properly equipped. And he's talking about some of the stuff he was struggling with. And he remembers that one specific meeting where he's talking about these elders who seemed to have it all together. These elders that were more middle-aged and up, who had been elders for a long time or been Mm -hmm. part of a church who were very well studied. And he remembered talking to them and feeling so inadequate and being like, man, these guys have it all together. And on my drive here, I just wanted to stop by the liquor store and and get something to drink. Mm. He was having struggles with alcohol, Mm. but he was an elder of the Adventist church. So like a double whammy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> and so he, he remembers feeling that and what popped into my brain. Now he didn't get the same thing out of it, which was interesting, but as a kind of as a pastor and, and lifelong kind of members of boards and stuff, what I got out of it is, man, wouldn't it have been awesome if he could have actually said that? Yeah. Wouldn't it have been awesome if he would have been comfortable enough to say, Hey guys, you guys are talking about some awesome things, but you know what I just struggled with on the way here? I wanted to stop in and get a drink. Yeah. Yeah. That would be nice. Wouldn't it be nice? Yes. Would be very nice. Now, what's awesome is about this guy, he he was attributing it to his immaturity and his stuff and not necessarily those elders. And I I do know some of the elders that were in that room, and I know that if he said that, he would have been uplifted and he would have been supported. I know that for a fact. Nice. I don't know about all of them, but I know I know some of those guys in that room would have been like, hey, let's work this out. Let's, you know, let's figure this out. But the fact of the matter is, is that most people would not be able to say that. No. And you're talking about accountability and I'm talking about, or I want to take it to safe environments. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we know mm-hmm. most of our churches are not a safe environment where people can be open about these struggles. And just the yeah. word accountability doesn't sound safe to most people. Oh no, it's like it a bad word. Yeah. 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 Cause that people, suggests that you're struggling with something. When it comes to church leadership. Reason, yeah. When it comes yeah. to church leadership, church leadership, sorry. Right. 
accountability is definitely a bad word. Well, I've heard people say, well, people need to be held accountable. And they're saying it in a way like, oh, that person's sinning. Correct. How are we going to hold them accountable? Correct. Instead of, hey, listen, that person's sinning. How can we uplift them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And right. that's really what accountability should be. And mm-hmm. when why I wanted to bring this up is because I do feel like with with in the Christian church in general and yeah. in the Adventist church and in all these churches, it would be awesome if someone could say, what if Robbie struggled with this? And he's like, he had opportunities, mm-hmm. but he didn't have the courage to say to someone, hey, listen, I'm this big, big shot, exactly. but I'm struggling with this sexual addiction. Exactly. Right. As popular as Ravi was, mm-hmm. the man had unlimited resources at his fingertips. Mm-hmm. There's no question that there must have been some type of psychologist or psychiatrist that could have helped him deal with this. Or even a fellow church leader. Yes. Sometimes it's as simple as that. Yes, yes. I'm just saying, or member, or just a member of his congregation. Mm -hmm. Now, now, do you think part of that's because his name was on the ministry and that made it hard? I know I keep going back to this, but I have a problem. I said, I said, or I said. Uh, congregation but maybe his employees yeah. or whatever you know. right it's but, just i think that the pressure of being in that position that he is to i'm sure contributed a lot to the fact that he did not open up or doing anything because if he knew he did then it would come out that's a, that's a great point and and i know that i think that the the generational understanding as well as it pertains to how generations manage these kind of issues if i'm not mistaken and hey, if I am, just just let me know, people. Um, the boomers tend to be, for the most part, and I'm not trying to okay boomer anybody, but boomers tend to be very image driven. Mm-hmm. They're concerned about what you think about them. And I say this based on experiences that I've had with those who are older than me and have leadership positions. Okay, mm, I'm pushing back on that. Okay, go ahead. I, I feel like every generation is concerned about how they look. They just project it in a different way. Okay. Well, that's, I can, I, okay. I can get behind that. Like, but like at the same I, time, I, I believe like, like Gen Z, like, oh yeah, we don't care how we look, but they're so socially conscious driven that they yeah. have to look a certain way. Their Instagram has to look a certain exactly. way. Yes. They just project it in a different way. They say they're being more open. Okay. But I'm going to but the, not really. I know, but I'm going to the leadership part. And, and, and like I said, I could get behind that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think I, I was too specific to just boomers saying, yes, we all care about, for yeah. the most part, our, our image. But what I'm saying is when it comes to leadership, the, the mentality is you have no weakness. You cannot display weakness as a leader. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that most, I mean, working under the boomer generation, which is why I, I signal, mm-hmm. I targeted them. Right. Okay. But like I said, I'm not okay. Boomer. Any, you know, I'm not okay. Boomer. Anybody or talking bad about right. their generation. This is just the experience that I've had where it's like, they leaders don't, aren't weak. Like w- you are always strong. You are always in control and you are not going to say I have X or Y struggle. You don't right. share that. Right. You know, and this is coming from an experience, even growing up, where it was like, you know, men don't cry. Mm-hmm. So, so, so By growing the way, up, I cry all the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, and the older baby. that I get, I cry even even more now. But, I, but I, I cried my entire wedding. So, oh, well, there you go. dude. When you're my age, you're, you're gonna be a mess. <laughs> 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 so, so that's what I was getting at. I, you know, again, if, if you're a boomer, you're listening. 
I'm not targeting you. I'm sorry. This is just my experience based on who, uh, how I was raised mm. and, and what I saw in the environment that I was in. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm pushing back a little bit because that's that's the leadership who we've been mostly under. So right. it's easy for us to pick on that generation sure. because the next generation, we haven't seen a ton of those leaders. We're starting to see some of those. We're starting to see a lot more Gen Xers right. come in. But the image thing, I, I, well, anyways, there's a lot of nuance to this that I feel like we can get into when it comes to accountability. Yeah. But that's really not the 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 whole point of this one. But I did want to reach about out a little bit about that because I really feel like accountability is important. We will talk more about accountability and how important it is. But I just feel like it would have been really wonderful It'd be really wonderful if we could just say, hey, listen, I have this problem and feel accepted. Like we're not going to lose our job. Like we're right, not going to be called a sinner. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, there's there's a little there's a little give and take to all that. Yeah. But anyways, so today we I, I do want to focus in, though, of more of like the man problem. OK. The problem that we've had. And I know that you've shared some some stories in the past and, mm -hmm. and you've had some stuff. And I know that yeah. I've shared with not necessarily publicly, but privately with some people. But I believe it's time for me to share some of my. Uh, struggles in story because so often we hide our struggles and stories and no one can learn from them. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, but we feel like maybe we're the only ones. We're the degenerates mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. in this story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are we're the ones that, you know, we can't share that because what will people think of? And I'll be honest with you, I'm going to share some things today that I'm uncomfortable sharing. Mm -hmm. But in the reality of things, in the long run, it helps when we share, when we have conversations, when yes. we have tough conversations. Yep. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so let, let, let's get into that a little bit with, with struggles. We've been doing a lot of uh, kind of, we've been doing a little bit of research and, and talking about, you know, men's issues when it comes to pornography, when it comes mm -hmm. to our relationship with women, when it comes to um, kind of our struggles in that area of life. And so we're going to share some personal, personal things here. Um, and I do want to put this caveat there, that if you have young listeners that are, we don't, this isn't geared towards elementary or middle school. That's correct. Yes. Um, and even some younger high school, this might even be appropriate for, inappropriate for them. Yeah. Unless uh, for some, it may be appropriate because some of the things we are going to talk about, they are actually mature enough, mature enough or being subjected to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. too. So please, please notice that, that this is high school and young adult um, geared. So please, if you have younger ears who have been listening to us in the past, we do recommend that this is not the one for them. All right. So let me start off. I'm going to get, I'm going to get personal, personal here. I know that, uh, you shared some stories and we can maybe sure go have. back and forth of, of how maybe some of those stories yeah. have been echoed, but, um, pornography, when was the first time you were subjected to it? Cause I know you've been subjected to, it. do you know the age? Oh man. I uh, I was exposed Oh man, relatively young. I was. Uh, man. Do you know just a roundabout? It doesn't have to be I, perfect. I, no, I I'm I was probably either eight or nine. Wow. Oh wow. So I was really. I was I was about eleven, twelve. Wow. Well, mm -hmm. so we did some when doing our research. Mm -hmm. The average. What was the average age? I think by eleven. Um. Uh, yeah, eleven. Some sources say it's eleven. Others say eight. But yeah, around right. that age frame right so which pretty is, young which is yeah. scary because yes. my son is 11 years old oh wow and it's mm. always scary to know that he might have been i don't think he has mm -hmm. and uh, we can share stories about why i think that is at another time but i don't think he has but i was i was between the ages of eight and ten yeah, yeah. and i had two older brothers mm -hmm. 
uh, much older and so seven years older and, you know, a lot older. And, you know, they were watching stuff and I don't want, I don't, I don't blame them for this because they were in a different mindset. I mean, my middle brother was an adolescent. He doesn't know what's happening. Right, right. He's struggling through his, uh, my other brother was, you know, struggles as well or, you know, but I remember videos being shown and I would peek my head around the corner and watch mm -hmm. the videos. I do remember going into a car and, and finding a magazine yeah. and looking at the magazine and talking with a friend about the parts we preferred. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, emulating some of the conversations maybe we had heard. And so that was my first exposure to it. N not realizing how much that would affect my future. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. My, my exposure was all, my first exposure was also a uh, magazine. Mm -hmm. So, well, I don't know if mine was a magazine or a movie. I just know that right, right. No, I'm just I just know that mine was yeah. a magazine. That was yeah, that's what's interesting for being a younger person. Yeah, the it's it's all media now. The phone, right. laptop, you know that kind of thing. It's all so accessible. So, like yeah. my first exposure was phone, mm. um, and. If I recall correctly, it was phone. I'm pretty sure it was. Um, but that was my first exposure. A magazine. Yeah, no I one never even looked at it. So a for magazine. you, yeah, for yeah. you but Gen Zers, that is that's paper. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> put together. It's bound together. It's stapled. Yeah. They, would have it some they would have yeah. vlogs in blogs in them. Yes. <laughs> on paper format. Exactly. And your JPEGs would be on the page. And, yeah. people, you know. um, and so that that's very important that we share that because it really affects the mind. And when we're talking about sexuality in general, and I'm not even just talking about how you relate to women, but how boys relate to boys, yes. girls relate to girls. Mm -hmm. In it a future episode, everything. we will be talking about sexuality and our biblical worldview on that. Yes, we will. But I do know that certain people have said certain things about their sexuality and how they knew at a certain age they were something, or they knew at a certain age this. Mm -hmm. And I am very reticent. And actually, I don't like it when people say that because in seeing watching my kids being raised, there was absolutely no sexuality in them, discernible sexuality that I could see in them till they were, you know, go, starting to go through puberty. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we try to project on little children way too early things that they're not processing yet. Right. right. I mean, boys think that girls are yucky in the second grade. Yeah. yeah. It has nothing to do with sexuality <laughs> at all. But some people might project those things. And I know that's, you know, we'll get into that on another date. But but it does, but once you start to ingest sexuality at an age you are not mentally prepared to or physically prepared to, it changes the course of your life. Yeah, it does. I mean, like I mentioned in last episode, I was uh, sexually abused mm. by a babysitter when I was five years old. Ouch. Mm. So it really altered mm -hmm. the my experience. Mm -hmm. you know and and made it just that much uh easier for me to fall prey to something like pornography mm. you yeah. know but i didn't realize that till i went into counseling mm. um and i was in my 30s mm. which yeah. is interesting because pornography as we were doing a little bit of research on this mm -hmm. alters your brain already and yeah. is addictive already, even yeah. without those stimulus. So that's you had right. the double dose of, right. of stimulus. Right. And that's oh. a, sorry. And, that, no, and, no, that's no. A, and that's a thing that 
that we get so exposed or, you know, in your case, you know, at such a young age where our brains are so malleable, they're also changeable, they're still developing. Correct. And so we get so exposed at that young age where it's much more easier to fall prey to that in the future because that's what we've experienced while our brains were developing. We can't process that. Right. Not at that age, we can't. Yeah. Right. And, um. Well, we process it inappropriately. Sure. 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 And and I misspoke. I wasn't in my 30s. I was almost in my 30s. I was 28. When, uh, when, when what? I started getting help. For well, I got you. Okay. Um, and, and the reality was you, you start to kind of, uh, what's the word? You not downplay it, but it's kind of like you, 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 you rationalize. Oh, you yes. rationalize yes. it. Totally downplay it all the time. Right. No, yeah. you downplay yeah. it too. And okay. we're, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Because yeah. even a comment you said last week, boys will be boys. Yeah. 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 Is a downplay. It is when boys do things they shouldn't do. Correct. When Correct. We, we talked about Rudy and Trump and some of the things they yeah. said and and yeah. how people justify. Oh, that's just locker room talk. Correct. Correct. That's downplaying, that's downplaying something. Yes. That's that's major. highly inappropriate. Exactly. Right. Agreed. All right. So let's continue down this story. We've all kind of figured out the ages of when, and not realizing where that would take you, but as you come into uh, adolescence, then you start to discover more things about about yourself and. I don't know, I have a problem with the word, but we'll just call it self-pleasure. Call it. <laughs> um, it's masturbation. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But that came into play as I started to get a little older. Yeah. And now with the images that were already in my brain started to feed that self-pleasure principle. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And started me down a road that typically most males go through. Right. And that's a problem, by the way, that, that most males go through it. That's where accountability becomes an issue. Yes. Well that's said. where, you know, the justifying becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. That's where the downplaying becomes an issue because yeah. for years, yeah, you know, y- you would downplay something like this. Yes. And so my experience goes that as a child, I discovered masturbation, right? And obviously that was pleasurable for, and, and not being able to process it even at that early age. Mm-hmm. And when you talked about the the process of um, your brain being malleable, mm-hmm. there was another uh, research has been done on the adolescent mind. And this is very important for you high schoolers. Please listen. This is super important. When you're young, you're just a sponge. Right. Yeah. You, just, up you just soak up everything. Yes. And so obviously before adolescence, we were, at least yeah. me and you, I think you were starting adolescence. Mm-hmm. We were soaking it all in. Pre, yeah without knowing how to process That's it. correct. That's correct. But in the high school, here's what happens. Your brain starts to prune itself. And this has been research that's been done. So it starts to prune itself. And so it starts to take out those things which you don't use as much. Interesting. Which yeah. is why it's so important at the high school level, adolescence level, to start healthy habits. Yeah. It's the perfect time to start devotional habits musical habits. Look at that. Right? Mm-hmm. Because your brain's starting to prune itself, so the things you're not using is pruning. But on the flip side, the things that you are using, those synapses are connecting yeah. to your whole brain. Yes. Yeah. And those exponentially grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, yeah. think about this. With pornography being the way it is and self-pleasure being the way it is, mm-hmm. during adolescence, I was doing those things on a regular basis. Right. And guess what happened? That's reinforcing my brain. I'm becoming stronger in that and the yeah. desires stronger in that. Those exactly. images stronger in my brain. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. And those, so those synapses, and by the way, those synapses are lifelong synapses. 
Definitely. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. you, your brain is still malleable. Yes. Thank goodness. And there's still some plasticity. Right. Yeah. Where you, you can, can develop change. new, you can develop new synapses. That's, that's right. what but we're, we're talking about. But difficult. It's extremely <laughs> difficult. Extremely. <laughs> so that's important to know. When I realized that, I realized, oh man, some of the stuff that I was reinforcing that as an adolescent mm-hmm. were growing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so. I mean, I, yeah. I just want to throw this in there. Not just there. Think about how many years we were exposed to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking about starting at eight mm-hmm. and I didn't get help till I was 28. Mm-hmm. So there's at least 20, 20 years, years. Mm-hmm. of this kind of behavior. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone's story is different. And this is what's this is what's interesting to me. So I was I was exposed to, to pornography, but I was never one who like got it myself. I had friends who would go to the store and buy it. I always felt shame and I was always felt like yeah, same here. I felt like a Rudy Giuliani. I mean, sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I felt like a creeper. And so I would mm-hmm. never go in, but I had friends who had access to it or I yep. knew where I could get a little bit of access to it. See, that's where the difference is between now and then mm. is that True. it's so you don't yeah. have to try like that. You don't have to go out to a store Get in your mm-hmm. car, drive there, or have someone drive for you, pick it right. up and bring it in. You right. sit down on your bed and you pull up your phone and boom, you have it. And that's and I think that the the level of accessibility that it is today, um, what what we watched that video today, it said what how many millions of websites there are for uh three hundred and seventy million pornography websites are out right now. And they're three hundred and seventy million seventy million websites. That's wild. And they're so pornography and, right and by now. the way, we're not just talking about like you go to Victoria's Secrets. We're not right. talking about, you know, artistic stuff. We're talking about dedicated. dedicated pornography sites. Yeah. Dedicated pornography sites. That's madness. And so it's so much easier now today and I need to correct myself too. It wasn't a phone. I remember it was my iPod touch that I had, it was, a, it was a new gift. It was an iPod touch. It had the Wi-Fi. I could search, yeah, right? Yeah, and yeah. so yeah. when the search was open, that is when you can experiment and search and- And not feel and, as creepy. And not feel as creepy. Because, yeah. And there's endless amounts of it. It's not that oh. you finished the magazine, then I saw it all. It's, yeah, there's yeah. always something else to discover, Good which point. makes a drive even more. And so that, today it's so much harder and it's so much, it's so much harder to overcome and it's so much easier to- fall into because of how accessible it is you hadn't even looked at it in that sense right you know where it's mm-hmm. like with the magazine which is well at least where i started right, right? when it was over it was over yeah because you know, yeah. like okay and the accessibility like to get to the next level because one of the one of the things we were you know th- there was a video that i want I, I want to kind of promote for those of you who are interested in in, in this kind of stuff and more research into it. But it talks about how when you get into this world, after a while, like, so say I had a magazine. I looked at the magazine. It was super exciting the first time. Yeah. Two or three times later, it's, the excitement's gone down. You're still going to look at it if you have nothing else. Right. But what are you doing? You're looking for the next magazine. Right. Even, so let's, I remember as a kid, my first, you know, the magazine was a Playboy. Yeah. Playboy mm-hmm. was topless, but they didn't necessarily show more. Right, right. And then, and then I realized that there was a magazine such as Hustler that showed even more. Yep. yep. And then as you go on, you try to, you know, the next level. It intensifies. Right? Yeah. And, you and want so it back more then it was harder to do that. Now, now the next level is the next almost level instantly. You start, a you click, s- a click you away. S- you start yeah. there. Yeah. You click away. There's always another link to click onto. And speaking of links, uh, we're going to make sure to put the video link on the description. Yeah. So and it's make called sure Brain it. Heart World is the website. And we're basically seen the first segment on how it affects your brain. And they're talking to very, you know, 
knowledgeable people and people from secular backgrounds as well that are that talk about the effects that pornography has on your brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and so it, it it affects your life, you know? You you're constantly and and I don't know about you, but I felt shame every day of my life. Yeah. From about the age of 13 and 14 on. Yeah. Shame, discouragement. Did you guys pray about it? Did you I guys ever I, pray about I, it? I, I didn't pray about it for a long time because right. because I I felt that at first. I remember feeling that at first, but then as time went on and as I got more this is a bad word to use, but settled into it, mm -hmm. it became more numb where it was yeah. I wasn't feeling shameful as much anymore. Like this is this is who I am. Like that mm -hmm. it kind of became part of who I was and this is who I am and this is never going to change. Mm -hmm. And I remember that developing as I went on. Um but then, you know, getting older and stuff realizing this is not who I am and that's when I began to felt shame when it became detached when I saw this is who God is calling me to be mm -hmm. and this is what who I am now and I saw that detachment finally that's when I realized okay yeah this is shameful like this is this is not good I need to get this out of my life for a while there it was just numb and it was this is who I am yeah for me it was it was more of I did pray about it I was trying to overcome it when you'd get guest speakers coming in and, mm -hmm. and sharing stories and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Though it, it was very taboo when I was growing oh, yeah. up. So it wasn't like you heard it all the time. I hardly remember anything. I mean, you would hear about the the dangers of pornography. Correct. But there wasn't that direct conversation of here's this and here's the link to masturbation as well. Yes, yes. Because that, I mean, like I said, I even have, a, I, I don't like saying the word now even now yeah. because it's so, in my brain is taboo Right. You don't talk about it. Right. Mm -hmm. So so I remember praying about it and it wouldn't go away. Mm -hmm. And yeah. honestly, it was one of those places yep. where I just felt defeated, where I was like, yeah. you know what? This is just the 100%. thorn in, in the in the flesh that Paul was talking about that yep. I'm just not gonna be able to get it, you know, yeah, removed. Yeah, I gotta this live with this forever. Is, you, know, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Mm. And I think that that's where the rationalizing and the downplaying started because I, I just couldn't live uh in constant shame mm. knowing that I, I wasn't going to beat this, mm -hmm. you know, and being that, that I love sports and, and I'm competitive, I was like, this is whooping my tail, mm -hmm. you know, like it's beating me up. Man, I remember just feeling so much shame, praying about it, then 10 minutes later, falling to the temptation, yeah, and then 10 minutes after that, just being like, God, why won't you fix me? Yep. Right. Yep. I, I, yep. This is probably my biggest spiritual battle was this battle. Yeah. Yes. Same. And that, that I think that battle, like I said, that battle for me developed later on. Mm -hmm. Those beginning stages was, and I think this may be to what you were saying too, of, of the downplaying and everything that this was like, okay, this is who I am now mm -hmm. and I'm going to, I'm going to roll with it. And I accepted it almost for a very long time Yeah. until I finally, like I said before, realized that this is not supposed to be part of my life. And it took me a while to get there. Um, but yeah, it's that. And then that's when that shame feels. And then you sit down, you pray and pray and pray. But then like you said 10 minutes later, what in the world? Why did I just do that? You yeah. know, it's like, God, why don't And I really liked what you said? God, why don't you fix me? I've prayed that. I prayed that prayer so many times. Like, God, why don't you just fix it? <laughs> like, yeah. why yeah. do, why do I have to try so hard? You know, just fix it. So moving into high school, the experience continues. And in high school, it starts to become even more of a norm. I had friends who every day were self-pleasing. Mm -hmm. Every day. Mm -hmm. and, and they would talk about it. And it was like, I felt shame, but it, 
But publicly, I felt no shame because no one else seemed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wish I would have known what everyone was going through mm-hmm. because it would have changed who I was. Mm-hmm. Right. But once again, it's, it's normalized. But at the same time, you, you can't. I couldn't stop myself from clicking a button when it was right in front of me. Right. Changing the channel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. If I got that as, as a teenager, I remember like, Ooh, I got HBO free this weekend and looking for those movies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And seeking them out and knowing I shouldn't seek them out. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it's so, you know, you've, so anyways, my story continues as into high school. I continued to struggle with this. I struggle into college. I was a psych major. I wasn't a ministry major. Then I got a call to be a task force youth pastor. Um, I was dating my wife at the time. And all of a sudden I felt a call to ministry. Right. I, and I accepted this call to ministry from God. So I started to change, you know, my whole trajectory. I'd already graduated. God had called me to this job. I was now a, a chaplain at a school and, you know, doing Vespers, doing church, started preaching and all this kind of stuff. Yet I still had that. Mm. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. It didn't go anywhere. Yeah, no, it didn't <laughs> go anywhere. And shame mm-hmm. was still there. Was still mm-hmm. there. Yep. But in the back of my brain, you know what I was thinking? I know what will fix this. One day when I'm married, mm. subconsciously, I was like, that's going to fix everything. Yeah, I thought mm. that too. Did you really think that? Yeah, I did. I know friends who thought that. I did. So what happens when you get married? Was it fixed? Heavens no. <laughs> and becoming a pastor didn't fix it either. So <laughs> no, no, becoming For a pastor. Thinking, yeah, yeah, no, no becoming a pastor not, didn't fix it. No. And so I got married a year after I started pastoring, mm-hmm. right? And so I was married and my wife knew very little. Like she knew in college that, you know, there was, you know, a, a little bit here and there, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen something like that or something. Oh, yeah, I've, you know, you know when, whatever. Every once in a while I have to relieve myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. But little did she know, little did... Most anyone know. Anybody, yeah. I mean, my friends knew because I knew that. But it. so you, you think that's going to change it, but nothing changes. No. Because, and here's part of the reason why it doesn't change. And young people, listen to this. Pornography skews sex. Yep. Yes, it does. It gives you an unrealistic, and not just pornography, movies, yeah. stories in general, give you yep. an unrealistic picture of what sex is should and does look like that's correct mm-hmm. it it magnifies oh you should be doing it all the time yes yeah and not only that it should be this weird s- stuff all the time or this experimentally all the time or this passionate all the time correct. and it it, it it you know if you watch these movies it's at level 10 all the time mm-hmm. correct mm-hmm. <laughs> correct mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, it's mm-hmm. exaggerated. That's, yeah, and totally that's, exaggerated, and that's why Ooh, it's important. exaggerated. Uh, exaggerated. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna bring something up. Yeah, that's right, why right, we right. that. <laughs> yeah it, it's 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 that whole idea that for entertainment purposes, right. it has to be overdone. Yeah, it has to be put at a place where you're just like mind blown. And that's what's happening. And the exaggeration ruins you. Do you want to share that from well, the we video? Were, we, yeah, we were looking at the, the the video, and they were talking about that it needs to be exaggerated. Because what was it? It was a, it was that three step thing, and it was that we take something that the brain desires. Yes. And then you exaggerate that thing, mm-hmm. and then the third step is that the brain desires the more exaggerated thing over than the normal thing. So it's and called supernormal stimulus. Supernormal stimulus is what it's called. Yeah. This research did it, and he mm-hmm. did it, and he did it with butterflies. Yep, butterflies. Yeah. And that the butterfly thing wow. was really interesting is uh-huh. that they 
they took um, these monarch butterflies and they made these cardboard butterflies that were much more... Uh, they were larger. Color. They were larger. They had brighter colors. Mm-hmm. They looked more beautiful and everything. And the male butterflies would go to these cardboard butterflies and try to mate with it. Even while the female butterflies who had less color weren't as big and all these things, they were right next to them. But they were choosing the cardboard butterfly over the real thing because Whoa. of how exaggerated it was. Ain't that some? <laughs> so with pornography and movies and those kind of things, it's exaggerated. Yep. They make it more colorful. They make it larger. Mm-hmm. They make it larger than life. And all of a sudden, you don't you forget about the real things in your life. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's it's fine. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how your psych, psychology can work and your how the devil works. knows how to tempt us. Yes, yes. 100%. I mean, he, he, yes. Here, this is better over here, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, research has proved that. I read, a, I read something a couple years ago about research. How finally, they, there was a research where married people um, report having more uh, sex is more pleasurable. Yes. And more, um, what's the word I'm using? Trying to find Intimate or? No, no. Satisfying. It is more satisfying. Satisfying. Yeah, oh, more okay. satisfying. So what ends up happening, you know, you get married. I'm married to my wife and I couldn't beat it. Mm. I couldn't beat it. Yeah. And I'm praying. I'm a pastor. I'm married. I can't beat it. Mm. Yes. The addiction. Mm-hmm. Just for the record. Yeah. Yes. So people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. I'm just saying. Uh, I just want to make sure that they're clear, you know, because okay, I didn't gotcha, want to. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, it, it, it had this. It had this victory over me. And part of my problem is I had no accountability, mm. but I didn't have anyone I, who I could go to, mm-hmm. right? Because I had friends who were pastors, mm-hmm. or I had friends who were, you know, who had spiritual walks with God, but I knew their struggle. Yes. And I knew we would joke around about it from time to time. Yes. <clears throat> and yep. I knew that if I talked to them, it would be downplayed in some form or fashion. Wow. Yep. Mm. Because boys will be boys. Because boys will be boys. Mm. Yes. Terrible. Yeah. yeah. It's it's the worst. I mean, I have girls, right? Yeah. Like, God bless me with two girls. And um, that boys will be boys thing just, yeah, bothers me. Yeah. Mm. And then, but here's the other thing. There were probably people who I could be accountable to, but I was scared of them. Like I talked at the beginning. What if I share with them? Yes. Will right. I still be a pastor? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Will I still be this? Right. Here's when my victory came. Tell the victory, baby. Right. And this is why. And I can get emotional about this because this is, I mean, it's, yeah, it's you right. know, it has a hold of you for so long. Yes. Right. And you find victory in, in amazing places. Yeah. It was through my wife. Because and it was the most scary day of my life. Mm. I lived in Maryland at the time. I was a youth pastor in Maryland. I remember it so vividly. We had this uh, dual level. We go down. We're at the lowest level, and I sit her down. I was like, "I have to talk to you about something." Mm-hmm. I, I've and I was super serious, and she was like, "Oh, what?" I guess she had never seen me this way. She's like, yeah. "Well, what's happening?" Yeah. And I told her the struggle. I was like, "Listen, here's some things we didn't have internet at the time." And I was like, "Here's why I. Here's one of the reasons why I choose not to have internet. Mm-hmm. Here's what I struggle with. Here's what what happens." And I was so scared. Yeah. I mean, I was so fearful because mm-hmm. I had no idea what, what her reaction was going to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And her reaction was everything 
I need it. Mm. And for those of you ladies who are, are listening, it was the most, like, I, she was hurt. I could tell she was hurt. Right. But she said not one condemning thing to me. Mm. She did ask questions. Yeah. She's like, well, why do you do it? Am I not good enough? It makes me feel like this. But she never said, you're gross. She, and I don't even, even think she said, how could you do that? Mm-hmm. She, never, she never took it. I know she took it personal, but she didn't like say, why are you doing this to me? Mm-hmm. There was no condemnation. There was mm-hmm. pain. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But it was pain without condemnation. And at that point in time was the first time that I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. You saw Jesus through Alana. Yeah. Shout out. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. here's the thing. Um, you know, we're, we're, you know, full, full kind of confession or story mode here. You know, I, I, I call it now the people being sober. That's my being sober. Yeah. Yeah. Not once after that, there, there is one, well done. I, there's a caveat. I had a surgery in Thailand to, you know, stop from having children. Yeah. yeah. Except for th- those two times to do the tests. Yeah. Mm. Not once have I, I've been sober. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's now, amazing. have there been times when I've clicked too much on a picture or th- there's a movie that I've stayed lo- long yeah. on, you know, once I downloaded a movie, you know, between here and then, but, but God has gave me a level of victory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And he's continuing to give me levels of victory because yes. right. let's face it, it's a continual it's thing. It's an ongoing battle. Yeah. It's, it's, right. it's like, and here's the thing. I, I don't think women quite understand this. And, and this is a conversation that I do want to have with a wo- woman at times. Um, but I don't think they quite understand the, the, the male mentality when it comes to sexual things, especially visual sexual things. Right. But man, it was like, I had never been able to conquer it mm-hmm. till I was able to be accountable to someone who loved me, yes. mm-hmm. but was still hurt by it. Yeah. 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 It couldn't have been my friends because I've been like, yeah, I did it too. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. What are you going to do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. And at least that's my story. I know other people have stories where they've been able to be accountable to men. Right. right. And, and I'll tell you, there have been times. There was another time where I had to say, hey, listen, Alana, I'm going to give the, there. Here's a certain uh, software that I need you to, to be watching. Yeah. You yeah. know, praise the Lord. We don't have to do some of those things anymore. Yeah. Right. 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 But we, you know, we've had talks from here, here to then. And part of the reason why we're even talking about this today is because of a conversation me and my wife had. She came in the other day and, and, and said, hey, is, is watching pornography adultery? <laughs> Yikes. And Yikes. that's probably why this will be more than three episodes. Because yeah. <laughs> really this episode is more about the story. Yeah. Right. And, and I want to, I know. So I know you got more. No, no, no. Continue. Go. Yeah. So... In your case, mm-hmm. I'm glad you had the courage to talk to your wife. Mm-hmm. In my case, it was that I was caught. Mm. Mm. And this was after years of being married. Mm. Mm. You know, and but going back and and seeing how that played out, I don't understand the the full I don't remember the full details. Mm-hmm. Um but I know that that M- Melissa was very hurt. Mm. And it almost cost me my marriage. Mm. Mm. It did. Mm-hmm. And that's what 
really rattled me. Mm-hmm. Sure. And um, started counseling, started having conversations about it, and I I wanted her to know that it was not her fault. She wasn't the problem, mm-hmm. and she wasn't responsible either for fixing me mm. nor um holding me accountable mm. to that mm. Mm. because my recovery was separate from her mm. like mm-hmm. like like my story when when all this began had nothing to do with her mm. so so in in my case it was different in that now I've had a counselor for over 10 years mm-hmm. I've had a coach for over 4 years Mm-hmm. And and what's happening is along with that, I had in a, a system of accountability of friends that were in the similar situation that my counselor then plugged me with. Mm-hmm. He partnered me with uh, partnered. He, he encouraged me to partner with these guys who were on the same journey that were also pastors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were able to to hold each other accountable to where, yeah, there were slip ups along the way. Mm-hmm. But. I can honestly say it's, yeah, I don't remember the last time I actually watched mm-hmm. porn, mm-hmm. you know, like intentionally, mm-hmm. like watching a movie and it pops up. Okay. Yeah. And I, and I honestly even uh, try to fast forward through anything that's a little bit mm-hmm. too racy. Right. But the idea was this is years now of intentional accountability and work. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and what we're saying is it is possible, but we all need that someone mm-hmm. who's not going to condemn us when they know, mm-hmm. when we're finally open and vulnerable, but they will love us enough to forgive us and then support us through that. But yet yeah. there, there's the not condemning part, but there's also the accountability part. Oh, no question. Why, yeah. No question. Like, like we need somebody to walk with. Like, yeah. and, and this is, this is, look. If you find yourself in a situation right now where you're struggling with pornography or any other type of sexual immorality, God has put people in your life to support you in this. Mm-hmm. Ask him to show you who they are, who they are. Mm-hmm. and reach out and get help. You do not have to journey alone. Right. You are not alone in this. There are people out there who are willing to come alongside you and help you create new pathways. But you have to choose to do it. Mm-hmm. It's not you're not going to stumble on sobriety or recovery. Mm-hmm. You have to be intentional about taking these steps, and we want to encourage you to do so. Yeah, you 100%. have to. You have to. Like like I said, that day was the most. I was so scared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's that that courage, and and that's God put put those doors in there. Right? Oh, yeah. let, me, let me tell you yeah. when when the counselor told me you have to tell Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing the, the you know the whole tell her every, everything everything yeah mm-hmm. i was like this woman's gonna leave me yeah yeah but again like like alana demonstrated mm-hmm. my wife showed me love mm-hmm. and, and here's the thing it, it's easy to think we we downplayed a little bit but i gotta be honest i i don't i don't personally know of a male who hasn't struggled with this exactly. i don't know of one exactly I, I'm trying. I'm thinking. I'm like thinking, trying to see. Like, I, I do I know think, somebody? I, I can't think of anybody. Either. Now, I do know people who have been 
more victorious for a longer time or who right. who learned it at a better age than I did or maybe weren't subjected to the things. But we used to have a joke, you know, in in, in college, like, yeah, 99% of all guys have, yep. you know, yep. self-pleasured. The other 1% is lying. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. That used to, yeah. that used to be our thing because we all, we all knew it. Yeah. So exposure versus addiction, I would say yes. Exposure wise, every man yes. has has to. But there's some form of addiction where they will go back to it more than once or, you know, the masturbation problem. I, I, I know there's guys who maybe haven't had that problem in their life. At least I've heard of them, the unicorns. Yeah. And, and so, but this gets into the, this, this where it gets into the conversation of how men and women see this mm -hmm. and that question my wife asked. Yeah. Are you plugging for next episode? You, I'm plugging you for next episode. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> I, I, so it's either this episode or the next one because we do need to bring a female perspective into yeah. it. But maybe I mean, we need maybe we need to fully process the male perspective first. Yeah, we, because we can. I mean, it's our it's our struggle, and so I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But the question my wife asked me is: watching pornography adultery. That's that gonna be one, a good one next week. We will address. <laughs> we'll address next week. So next let week. us hear but, from you though ahead of time. If you want us to plug, you know, your response in diversity on a hill at gmail.com, diversity with the C. And uh, you can also let us know on Instagram at diversity on a hill. Mm -hmm. um, man, thank you so much for tuning in with this <laughs> this uh, uh, ongoing conversation because you know this is week two. Um, if you did not hear week one, we strongly encourage you to start there so that way. Uh, well, follow up there because obviously you heard to this, heard point. this one already. <laughs> um, but but the idea is uh, we really want to have a comprehensive conversation about this because yes. this is a serious uh, topic that is challenging society right now, and it's going to lead into other rabbit holes that we're going to go to eventually. So thank you mm -hmm. for for joining us. You know, let let can I pray? I, I feel pray. like like I want to pray. Okay, All yeah, right. go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Loving Lord, um, thank you for. I don't want to say victory, though we know that we can have victory in Jesus. But I want to thank you for allowing us the right people to journey with in our struggles. Mm -hmm. Thank you because you use people to be your instruments, to be your light, to share your love when we feel unloved when we feel shame and we feel guilt we thank you because we are not alone you promise to never leave us nor forsake us and you make this a reality not just because your holy spirit will never leave us or forsake us not because our guardian angels are always with us but because you also put human beings mm -hmm. that can be used as this accountability or these accountability partners so, Lord, if there's a listener right now that needs accountability, needs help, needs to be loved, enlighten them as to who they can turn to because they don't have to journey alone. And we thank you because you will come through and you will give the victory in Jesus. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace amen. and peace to you all. This is PJ, and I'm out. This is PA, and I'm out. And PK here. Many blessings. Till next time.